insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. It's very fitting that on the day that the 2023-2024 Winnipeg Jets schedule gets announced, we're doing a pop-up show at the same time that the post-game show would typically be starting. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this evening on our social media channels and our YouTube channel, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to a special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, a pop-up show to discuss today's big news regarding the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade to the Los Angeles Kings. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, joined by Dave Manouk. We wish Ezzy all the best as he recovers and gets back to being in health. Legionnaire's disease is what felled him this evening. Didn't know that was still around, but apparently Legionnaire's disease is what's uh, ailing Mr. Ginsburg Look, on we this need, Wednesday evening. We need him for a solid four hours of entertainment tomorrow night. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll give Ezzy a pass because we're going to need him to be at full strength. The draft is when Ezzy tends to shine, so... I need him. Uh, I need him in full optimum Ezzy mode tomorrow night. There you go. Exactly right. Hopefully he'll be back up and running for tomorrow night's first round live coverage of the NHL draft. That show beginning 6 p.m. Central Time here on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms so that you can schedule into your calendars for tomorrow, 6 p.m. But tonight we gather to talk about the worst kept secret that was finally (laughs) consummated earlier this afternoon. The Winnipeg Jets trading Pierre. Luke Dubois to the Los Angeles Kings. First, they sign him to an uh, eight-year contract extension with an average annual value of $8.5 million per season. So it's a sign and trade. Pierre-Luc Dubois goes to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second round pick. We'd heard some of these names bandied about for weeks at this point in time, Dave Manouk. But when it was all said and done, when the official press release was finally sent out, what was your initial thought about the move for the Winnipeg Jets? Well, you're right, Drew. I think it was one of those things that was like the worst kept secret and the dribs and the drabs yeah. i was honestly i was as anybody who follows illegalcurve.com which is everyone mm-hmm. knows i've been detailing every little <laughs> nugget and little thing you know someone the wind blows the wrong way well there i gotta put that on the website so the website has been uh, kept well up to date i've been kept very busy from uh early morning to late evening but there's been lots of news there's been lots of speculation you know i, I always caution folks uh, throughout the course of this time you know like who where was it i think it was elliot friedman who said it but he, he's not wrong when he said that and i said this on saturday show where the isaiah thomas quote for uh you know as the draft approaches everybody's lying everybody has an agenda yeah. and it's true and it's obvious and like we've seen so many tweets and i don't have to name names but like you'll hear a tweet come out and you'll be like well why is that even coming out it just <laughs> serves one purpose and it's just to drum up you know support for one way or the other so i mean look there's been lots of news to that's come out over the last few days and drew we were talking about this the idea of all the gms being 
in one spot in Nashville to kind of get the juices flowing and get the conversations really kicked up. And yeah, we saw it finally. I mean, we, we knew that there was a sense that, you know, I follow and, and Velarde has been a poorly kept secret, obviously for the last uh, few days. And then Murat of uh, the athletic reported that uh, Rasmus Kupari would be part of it as well. I had to look him up a little bit, of course, not being super familiar with uh, the Kings organization's prospect pool and uh, he, of course, is a 2018 first rounder. Played for Carpat in the Finnish Elite League, which in my head, because of course I pay attention to these things, I was like, pretty sure one of the Jets' prospects had once played in Carpat, but I couldn't remember who specifically. Turned out it was uh, Christian Veselainen. Uh, they overlapped for for one season or for a part of one season uh, within the Liga. So um, I don't know much about him. Kevin Dayoff had an availability with uh, Jamie Thomas tonight. Uh, that's on the website, illegalcurve.com. So you can hear Kevin Dayoff, the Jets GM's uh, comments about the respective players that the team was able to to get from LA. And Drew, to answer your question, I, I was impressed. I really was because the fact of the matter is the best player went to LA. Pierre-Luc Dubois is mm-hmm. the best player. But the Jets, for a team that needed depth, and that's one of the things with the Jets that they ha- don't have a tremendous amount of, yeah. they got a lot of depth and they got promise. Gabe Velarde is a very promising young player. I mean, you can always tell, right? How do you tell? You I, you actually look at the anguish. The anguish from the <laughs> the fan bases of the other side. And you're when, when you know, they're ag- offering you a hill of beans like folks in Montreal have been offering the Jets, or mm-hmm. the fans, I should say, have been offering the Jets. You know, you got a sense like, okay, well, if they're offering you these guys, it's probably not if they're happy to let those guys go. But but folks obviously didn't want to let Quinton Byfield go, the second overall pick. But Gabe Velarde is, uh, you know, he, Kevin Sheveldayoff have spoke about it. He dealt with some injuries early in his career, mm-hmm. but it seems like he's come out of it. And look, what do you have? Three or four less goals than Pierre-Luc Dubois last season. So he's a very good uh, young talent. And, and that's one of the things you needed to add for the Jets. And then with... Um, Alex Ayafalo, you get someone who is defensively responsible, you know, very good on the PK. I'm told again, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some sort of expert on all of these guys because I'm not, but from what I understand, he's defensively is very good. Doesn't take a lot of penalties, but can kill penalties. And like I said, Rasmus Campari, again, don't know a tremendous amount about him other than what Kevin Sheveldayoff said, which is that he's a bit of a, uh, Swiss army knife in the sense that he can play sort of all positions and, and uh, they're hoping that he's just kind of scratching the surface at what he can become, but he played 66 games for the Kings last year. And then I believe 11 for the Ontario reign. Yeah. I, oh, and I, Drew, we can't yeah. forget about the second round pick. No, because so Kevin, Kevin Sheveldayoff loves to fill in his, his box. And so now because of the Nino Niederreiter trade right. at the trade deadline, when they traded their second round pick to Nashville for Nino Niederreiter, they, which was their 2024 second rounder. They've now replaced it, which ironically, Drew, yeah. is the Montreal Canadiens second rounder. So the, the Jets got the draft, the trade with the Kings and somehow ended up with the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> draft pick, which is, I think, sweet irony. It just There's something poetic, I should say, about the Jets acquiring an asset from the Montreal Canadiens. It, it, it was a little bit of a funny sidebar to this trade. You're right about that. And as it turns out, it'll likely be a higher second round pick, mm-hmm. uh, given that you would expect Montreal to finish below the, the Winnipeg Jets in the standings next season. And it's a, like you said, it's a 2024 second round pick. And that was sort of, uh, like you said, a little bit of icing uh, on top of the cake. Uh, you know, when you when you talk about this trade, look, I, I think if you if you look at it, like you said, the Los Angeles Kings got the best player 
in the in, in, in the in the trade. Pierre Luc Dubois is the best player in the trade. He probably has the most upside of all the players in the trade. But you know, the Winnipeg Jets, and I'll give Kevin Chevalier off credit with this. They've added to their depth. They've certainly made their team have more NHL caliber talent on the team mm-hmm. and more defensively responsible NHL caliber on the team. For all of the praise that Pierre-Luc Dubois gets about being sort of a, a, a two-way center, he's not great defensively. He sort yeah. of has that reputation of being great defensively. But as uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, and Jay Fresh Hockey, if you aren't familiar with his work, does a, it covers the game from an analytical lens on Twitter and does a really great job with his player cards and really lays it out uh, for the dummies among us, yours truly being the dummy in this instance, showing where players are have their best attributes and where they're maybe lacking a little bit. And in, on Pierre-Luc Dubois' player card, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a second-line center. You know, he's a good second-line center. Does he still have more to give? Well, the Los Angeles Kings certainly hope so, given yep. what they paid him for the next eight years. But that he says, you know, not a great finisher. You know, he's sort of average when it comes to be, uh, finishing. Uh, and, and he's not great defensively. He's iffy defensively is the phrasing that's used. So the Jets you know, who are certainly not a defensive juggernaut. I don't need to tell anybody about that. They 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 knew they were going to lose Pierre-Luc Dubois. They knew they had to make the trade. And they ended up with three guys who are bonafide NHL players. No, they don't have the same ceiling as Pierre-Luc Dubois, but they certainly add to the depth of a Winnipeg Jets. And, which, and the Winnipeg Jets are a team that has struggled depth-wise. Mm-hmm. For the last number of years, they've they you know they they've been trying to place guys in positions where they maybe don't belong. Uh, you know, a fourth line guy that really belongs in the AHL, a third line guy who should be a fourth line guy. So really, you know, when I look at this trade from the Jets' perspective, I think that they got a second line uh, winger in Gabe Velarde, and I'm going to assume that he's likely going to play wing for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe they're able to get him back up the middle, but uh, let's assume because more likely than not that he's probably a second line winger. They get Alex Ayafalo. He's a third line winger. And then they get Rasmus Kupari, who is a fourth line winger. So they add three members, three players to their roster. And Ayafalo is a guy who can play up and down the lineup, Mm -hmm. likely is best suited to play most of his minutes in the third line role. Yep. But we've been talking about it for the last little while, Dave, the last number of years. I think even this offseason we talked about it. The Jets needed a guy who can sort of play up and down their lineup, similar to how Michael Froelich used to do it for the Jets back in the day, similar to Matthew Perot, how he used to play up and down the lineup, even Nino Niederreiter or Vlad Nemesnikov, two guys who can sort of play up and down the lineup. And that's what they get in Ayafalo, a guy who's – very good defensively, defensively responsible. He kills penalties well, doesn't take penalties. Gabe Velarde himself, you know, he draws loads of penalties. Doesn't take loads of penalties, but he draws right. loads of penalties, similar to Pierre-Luc Dubois in that sense. So, you know, I, I don't love the trade. I don't think that this makes the Jets a 
any more of a Stanley Cup contender today than they were yesterday. There's still a lot of work to do, but they are a deeper team, uh, you know, which I think is going to certainly help them throughout the course of next season and going forward. Well, and also they didn't lose any of the other depth, right? Sure. They only, I mean, look, Weber reported it that he thought that Jansen Harkins could be mm-hmm. part of a deal potentially with Pierre-Luc Dubois or Logan Stanley. And I know that those players have their detractors and they have their awards, but the reality is you know, ultimately you can trade them for other things. I mean, sometimes we look at guys who get thrown in Jack Roslevic and you say, well, what is that person? Why is that player getting thrown in for essentially nothing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jack Roslevic, of course, did was able to produce in Columbus. Now I think he's on the way out in, in his hometown, but, but regardless, I think it's one of those situations where the jets were able to do this for one player. Mm-hmm. And, and again, to the point you're making drew, it's one player who essentially painted them into a corner. It wasn't as if, you know, the, and again, like it's, it's bizarre, right? Like so many narratives. And again, I'm chronicling it on a little site called LeoCurve.com. Yeah. No big deal. But I'm, but I'm chronicling it. And it's like, you're, you're hearing Montreal now and suddenly Montreal's re-engaged. Coincidentally, Montreal's probably re-engaged when LA maybe is pulling back, you know, well, but you regardless. Know, let me just interrupt you for a section. Sure. You know, Montreal, they were talking about Montreal. Montreal doesn't have the ready-made assets to get involved in this deal. And I didn't quite understand that, you know, that cover that was being provided by some of the insiders. Montreal had the ready-made assets. They just chose, they didn't want to part with them. Well, that's, I mean, I think, but ultimately I think it's the ones that they were willing to get rid of. That's the problem, right? right? The ones so, that they were, you know, so, I mean, I don't know why Montreal, you know, or the Habs organization really ever thought that they were going to be able to do this trade without, you know, they've well, th- been forthcoming from the start that they wanted guys who would be able to step into their lineup this year and be productive members. Montreal wasn't getting this trade done without including Kirby Doc. So they made the choice, and I don't think it's necessarily the wrong choice, that mm-hmm. they prefer to continue to hold on to Kirby Doc and keep him as a member of the organization, then trade, then use him as a centerpiece for Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's their prerogative which right. I totally understand and I can totally accept that from their evaluation perspective. Yep. But to say that Montreal didn't have the pieces to get this trade done, I really don't think is a is an accurate portrayal of of, of yeah, I, I think I think it's more that they didn't have they didn't have the pieces that they were willing to part yeah, with. Sure, that, that yeah. they were. Yes, everybody's I'm going got, to give you my shitty car in yes. exchange for your Ferrari. That's but, right. You know, it's the, you know, I didn't want to give you up my Lamborghini in exchange for your Ferrari. Right, right, exactly. And I think that's like you said, Drew. Of course, they had players that are there that the Jets would be willing to take for Pierre Luc Dubois, but of course, uh, that wasn't forthcoming from the Montreal Canadiens. And look, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, I don't blame them. Because if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, for a long time, mm-hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois was saying, it's the only place <laughs> I want to go. It's the only place I want to go. But as I wrote today, it's time to put the Montreal Canadiens pajamas back in the drawer because now he, of course, is ready to be a member of the Kings. And I, I listened to his media availability um, this evening, and it was funny because it was like, it was listening to him. He's like, I've always dreamed of playing for this organization or something like that. And I was like, what you have? Because it's funny how the story was that you really just wanted to play in Montreal. And now suddenly this, the Kings are, and I have to give it a more fulsome listen, which I will do after uh, this show. But I was just kind of a little incredulous listening to Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of um, create a little bit of a revisionist history or, uh, you know, for, for suddenly his, his desire, maybe, maybe he has LA Kings pajamas. Maybe he was a big 93 
uh, Stanley Cup fan and he didn't want to pick the Kings or the Habs. So he, 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 he had pajamas from both. But regardless, and ultimately, uh, I, I mean, again, like I said, it's, it's not a surprise that Montreal didn't end up getting him because, yeah, they weren't willing to give Doc, as you said. They obviously weren't going to give Suzuki or any of those other big assets. But ultimately, if I was the Montreal Canadiens, especially because Elliot Friedman's reporting that Colorado made a play for ultimately probably what was a one-year deal for the services of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if I'm Montreal, I know I'm getting him after that deal is done in, in, in Colorado for his one shot. Mm-hmm. You're going to get him, right? So you're getting, and you're getting him for free. You're not trading away a big asset. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense from a Montreal Canadiens perspective. So I understand that they had a game plan that they wanted to follow. Yeah. And, and well, you, well, you don't, you don't begrudge an organization for saying, this is our price. We're not budging from that price. And we, while we'd like the player, you know, and again, like I said, I look at the money, I, I you know, especially with some of the reports, because I suspect if he's going to Montreal, that number that he wanted was over a nine. Look, if you're Pierre Luc Dubois, I think you've landed in a very, very good situation. You get to you get eight million dollars plus per year. You get to go live in Los Angeles. You're relatively anonymous. I mean, we were t- I was talking about this with one of our, our our friends earlier on this weekend. You know, when was the last you know time? You know, every French Canadian player is always linked to the Montreal Canadiens. When was the last time a French Canadian player actually went to Montreal and was able to? succeed and handle the immense pressure that uh, that comes with being a French Canadian player in Montreal. It's been a long while. And Roth, although he didn't come to Montreal, but he was he was he was drafted by Montreal. Well, but like, but still, you know, Jonathan Drouin was supposed to be the next great hope, yeah. a French Canadian player, and 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 he came back late in this year, and we wish him well as he's spent some time and he's had some difficulties, and we know that mm-hmm. Pierre Luc Dubois. You know, eight point two five million dollars to go play in Los Angeles, where really you're not the headline guy on that team, at least not for the next little while. There's still Andre Kopitar, there's still Drew Doughty. Those guys are still going to you know carry the headlines more than you are. I think he's landed pretty well here. But yep. taking it back from the Jets' perspective, you know, again, look, I don't think that the Jets are. I don't think the Jets did great. I think the Jets did solid. You know, and not you can't always hit a home run. Not every single trade is going to be a home run. Sometimes you just need to hit a double. And this seems to be a double to, from my perspective. It, it, it's a trade where you get a lot of assets back. They, a lot of those assets make sense in how they fit into your lineup. Does yeah. your lineup still have flaws? It certainly does. It's not a. It's not comparable to the best teams in the NHL, especially as we expect more uh, shoes to drop this offseason, primarily Connor Hellebuck. Blake Wheeler, we're expecting the buyout at some point in time between now and 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 June the thirtieth. Mark Scheifele's still a big question mark, and we'll talk about that uh, here tonight on the on this pop up edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. But from the Jets' perspective, I think they did pretty well for themselves. Yeah. And but it, you know the work isn't done certainly, uh, even as it refers to these players. I mean, we know Gabe Velarde is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, so. What are the Jets looking to do with him? Are they looking to bridge him? Are they looking to sign him to a long-term deal? You know, there. You know, we know that um, that there's additional. You know, Rasmus Kupari is an RFA, no arbitration rights. So you would think that contract should be a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Alex Iafalo, you know, you got him for two years at four million. Uh, yeah. You know, again, a, a reasonable number. Uh, you know, to, to slot into your lineup, play on that second line, play on that third line, whatever it is. So 
I would say that the Jets made the best out of a not great situation, but there's still more work, much more work to be done this offseason to really change the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets. They're still where you don't want to be, which is that mushy middle. They're still right now, I would say, a fringe playoff team in the Western Conference. Maybe they are you know, a, a wild card team right now. I don't know that their ceiling has changed so dramatically, but it's better than how things look, let's say, at the end of the of the 23 season. Yeah, no, I, and I, I, would, I would tend to agree. I mean, I think the only thing I would suggest is that they were in a unenviable bargaining position with Pierre-Luc Dubois' uh, position. And, you know, he... Well, but he did the well, no, no, he did the, he did the he, Oh, no, no, no there's, there's, there's no question. Well, I mean, I think he, he didn't want to be torched. Uh, right. If he if he backed them into a corner and said, I'm only going to Montreal because he's already played his way out of Columbus. Mm-hmm. He, and I, again, like I said, I listen to a lot of these things. I hear what a lot of former NHLers are saying about Pierre-Luc Dubois. And you start to get a reputation. And if you weren't helpful to the Winnipeg Jets, to be honest with you, yeah. they, he, like he could say, I gave him three good years. He was very complimentary, like I said, about Winnipeg and the organization, the city, the fans, uh, when he was speaking in uh, on the L.A. Zoom call. Yeah, but he said all no, the no, right, the right thing. Oh, no, of course, of course. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised. Well, he's not going to trash it, of course. Right. But, but especially considering his dad is still an assistant coach with the Manitoba <laughs> Moose. But, um, but no, I mean, I think you, you expect you you expected that. But I just think that it, like I said, it's one of those situations where he definitely did the Jets a favor in in expanding it and making it look suddenly the five to six, even if it's only two, even if it was only LA and, and Montreal. Sure. The five to six helped out. Uh, it, to a certain degree, of course, because it allows Kevin Chevelday off a little bit more leverage that he didn't have. So I would just say, again, I think that he did a good job. I don't, like, again, is it a home run? Look, this show isn't a, we're not the type of show that's going to have a, a, a flashy headline that says winners and losers, mostly because I don't know how to create those type of banners, but also because <laughs> that's not really our thing. And we know, and we're pragmatic. And we also understand that you're not going to be able to evaluate the the talent. They haven't mm-hmm. played a game. We got the schedule today. We know game one is October 14th in Calgary against the Flames. Coincidentally, game three of the season, game two here in Winnipeg, yeah. is against the LA Kings and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So that uh, that set itself up quite sweetly. And of course, actually the first game home game is against Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers. So uh, the schedule makers had some... Uh, and for folks, I want everyone to be excited because you have 17 Saturday games this year on the schedule, Drew. So that means there's 17 <laughs> times you get to wake up with a legal curve you get to watch a Jets game, maybe even a Moose game, and then end your night with the Illegal Curve post game show 17 times, folks. So first of all, just as an aside, as I segue from my point about Montreal, make sure you hit that like button. But most importantly, make sure you subscribe. I want to thank everyone because on our Saturday show, we eclipsed the 5,000 subscriber mark and we are climbing ever closer to the 6,000 mark uh, as we you know, trudge along and we, we appreciate everybody's support in uh, – in supporting this channel. Yeah, exactly right. Well said. And we do support that. Uh, you know, it, it, look, this is the off season continues on for the Winnipeg Jets and it's going to continue to be a very interesting off season. I mean, it's, I think it's safe to say, I mean, it would be shocking to me if something were to happen where Blake Wheeler ends up back with this team. I just don't mm-hmm. see that happening given, you know, all the, the talk this week that the buyout is happening. And the, there was some talk that there was, the, the buyout might've had to play a role with Explain that to me. The Pierre, I can't, it didn't make a lot of sense to me when I heard it. I was looking uh, at the numbers, Drew, sorry, quickly. Yeah. 13 million, Jets had 13 million in cap space. They're like, well, it has to work with the cap. I'm like, but they're trading the player. 
So even if they're signing him for nine million, they're not acquiring. They have thirteen million in cap space. They're signing him for nine. The contract mm-hmm. doesn't go into effect till next year. It didn't make. And even sense. if you took people are talking about I have fellows numbers. I'm like I fellow makes four million, but he's on LA. He's not technically. You don't transfer. You transfer them. You're transferring the contracts. So it didn't make. I, again, I, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, what am I missing here? Is there some sort of math that I'm? And and you have a ten percent. I understand that the ten percent is totality. It's not like ten percent. You get to go in and out and in and out of ten percent. It's it's ten percent total. But the reality is, again, I just don't see how even with that ten percent grace, the Jets would once you got rid of Pierre Luc Dubois, what other contract is even going to get you close? Especially if you later subsequently bought out Wheeler. So I, I didn't understand the math there. But to be honest with you, I didn't really take a I didn't take a lot of time to think about it because so much stuff was happening throughout the day. But yeah, I just I heard it. Dreger was talking about it. He's like, well, you know, you'll have to do this in order to make that work. And then it kind of it happened and that kind of went away. And I was like, so what am I missing here? Because again, the Jets had $13 million in cap. And again, you're signing to a guy to the contract and it still would be within that framework of under the cap. So maybe someone in the chat uh, can explain because I, I I was missing the logic in having to do the buyout prior to making the trade. Right. In any event, they haven't bought out Blake Wheeler. Most people would expect that to be the next, uh, you know, the next item to happen. And then the question becomes, does more happen? And at this point in time, given that the draft is tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'm inclined to think that the Jets aren't don't have another big move ahead. I don't know that they necessarily do. We've heard all the talk about Hellebuck. We've heard everything you know that he that he's you know not going to re-sign here, which I understand. But uh, you know, given where we stand today, and that it's been more or less radio silence when it comes to Hellebuck in terms of. Uh, you know, teams that are lining up to acquire him and that there aren't teams lining up to acquire him and there aren't teams lining up to pay him, you know, the the many millions upon millions of dollars that he's looking for on a long-term deal. You know, maybe the Jets do sort of keep their cards close to their vest on this one and they decide to bring him to training camp and they decide that they're going to hold on to him and then see how the season unfolds. I mean, you know, you would think that, if there's a move to be made with regard to Connor Hellebuck, it's going to happen between now and the draft and the draft is tomorrow. So, you know, time would be running short and you sort of get the impression that if there was something going on with Connor Hellebuck, you know, it wouldn't be able to be kept this quiet. We know, uh, we, we know that the Pierre Luc, you know, that as much as the Jets like to work in secrecy and the Jets like to work in a very quiet manner, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade wasn't able to be kept quiet. It was just so far out there. It's hard to believe that a Connor Hellebuck trade wouldn't be any different. Uh, you, know, you know, wouldn't be any different. They wouldn't be able to keep a Hellebuck trade quiet when they couldn't keep a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade quiet. So to me, I would not be surprised at this point if the Jets come back next year with both Connor Hellebuck and with Mark Shifley and they subtract Blake Wheeler and the domineering presence that he has in the dressing room sure. and see if how big of a difference that makes. And then maybe you go out and you can still, you know, re-sign a guy like Vlad Nemesnikov if you think that you want him on your roster. And again, you know, you're not as depleted up the middle as everyone expected, you know, with, with Shifley and Dubois gone. And yeah, you're not great up the middle. You're not what I would describe as strong up the middle necessarily, but you still have maybe some, you have enough NHL roster players that you can still do something to become playoff bound because we know how important 
those two, at least minimum of two home playoff games are to True North. This isn't a cup contending team at the moment, but this isn't a rebuilding team at the moment either. I'd still say at this point in time, I'd lean them towards being, you know, and I haven't evaluated, this is just a very rough evaluation, that they're probably closer to a playoff spot than uh, the draft lottery as we sit here on the 27th of June. Yeah, I don't think that's an unfair assessment. And I also think that maybe the Jets are looking at things from a Seattle Kraken point of view and saying that, listen, we're going to have not the flashiest roster, not the guys who are scoring potentially 40, 50 goals, but we're going to have a a deep roster and we're going to have, guess what? A roster committed to defense. Because you know what? Newsflash. If the Jets had a roster that was committed to defense, (laughs) first of all, you're making Connor Hellebuck's life on the presumption that Connor Hellebuck is still a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And remember, Drew, yeah. I, I think you and I were kind of on the same page as we expected this move. We both talked about this move, I want to say at least a couple weeks ago. And I said, I'm I, I'm leaning towards Blake Wheeler being bought out, but I'm not 100% certain. Although it's amazing, all those trades kind of fell apart. All, the, all those mystery <laughs> trades for teams that were clamoring to acquire Blake Wheeler have, have dissipated. But uh, I didn't think that Mark Shifley would be... Uh, dealt and i yeah. and i'm still not 100 certain connor hellebuck would be dealt but and again right now you have to go on the presumption that those guys are still members of the winnipeg jets yeah. and i thought it was funny because already tsn had a a new video with craig button our good friend who we had on saturday's show saying what are five great spots for connor hellebuck to land they have and, content they have to produce no 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 no, no, no <laughs> i'm not making fun of it i'm saying yeah. of course they have believe me i'm not complaining are you kidding it's content for a little site called legalcurve.com so wasn't complaining. I'm just saying it's amazing because the Dubois news, the dust hadn't even settled on yeah. Dubois. And already it's like, okay, here's Hellebuck. Yeah, what's next? So yeah. what's the new new thing as Michael Lewis wrote about many years ago? So I, well, look, I, I I don't, like the problem is, and, and it's one of the things that a lot of the analysts have been talking about throughout the course of the last few days as Connor Hellebuck's name is also, because remember Darren Dreger said on, my days are all, are, are all mixed up, but I want to say Sunday or Monday, he essentially said on Shifley and no, it was, Sorry, it was it was Monday morning. He was on um, uh, TSN first 10, up. Yeah, ten fifty. Yeah, yeah, with on first up, and he basically said on on Shifley and Hellebuck, there was no, it was nothing. It was all quiet on the Western Front uh, as of Sunday night, mm-hmm. and of course the GMs were just getting into Nashville. And then on Monday night, when he was talking on Insider Trading, twelve hours later, whatever it was, he was saying things were starting to simmer. So, of course, again, you put all the GMs in, into one city, it, things start to percolate was another one of the words he used. And I just think, like, it's, it's, a, it's a problem because, again, it's amazing that it's a problem for a goaltender who can get you as many wins as Connor Hellebuck there, like, questioning whether $9 million is worth it. Wow, I understand it's, like, it's a it's cap like running, situation. It's like running backs in the NFL. They don't pay running backs in the NFL anymore because they think they can just get any running back to uh, – to come in and, you know, and, and do a similar job. And the perception right now in the NHL is, is that goaltenders are, you know, Aiden Hill's not helping that out. Well, I mean, again, they're, they think, you know, they, they watch Vegas do it and they think, well, we can do any goal. T- any goaltender can look at that Vegas that. defense. Well, that's it. They, they overlook the fact that the, the reason why Aiden Hill was so successful yeah. and no offense to Aiden Hill, no, not taking anything away from him but had to do with the defense that was in front of them. Now, all those, most of the teams in the NHL don't have the Vegas defense. They don't make it as easy on goaltenders as as Vegas did with, with Aiden Hill. And, you know, the Jets certainly don't have that defense. So I wonder, you know, as we're sitting here and talking, you know, we really haven't mentioned the defense yet. Maybe that's sort of where attention needs to be, 
be be heading from the Jets' perspective. In that, you know, they are, you know, the expectation wouldn't necessarily be that the same six defensemen that they finished the year with last year are going to be good enough this coming season. We know that they need to shore up the defense. We know that they need to improve the defense. So mm-hmm. maybe what they're maybe the next move for the Winnipeg Jets, if there is another move, and right. you know, maybe it isn't a Mark Shifley move, or maybe it isn't a Connor Hellebuck move, but maybe it has something to do with somebody on the back end where it's more of a similar to this trade. It's a hockey trade, not necessarily because a player is disgruntled with Winnipeg, but that there's an opportunity to upgrade. We've heard this week and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And it didn't make a lot of sense to you because the jets are stronger on the left side. Yeah. Travis Sanheim. We've heard his name called Elkhorn, Manitoba, Elkhorn, Manitoba. Exactly. Where, you know, where, where we heard Travis Sanheim's name as potentially the bet jets being in the market to acquire him from Philadelphia as they go through their uh their consider their significant rebuild and re you know and reformulation of their roster in philadelphia now he plays on the left side the jets are strongest on the left side we know so it didn't make a ton of sense we know that a right side d would be more where the jets would probably be looking to acquire maybe somebody to upgrade on neil pionk or upgrade on nate schmidt both of whom had rough years last year but you know uh, uh, that might be something that could still come down the pike uh in the next you know let's say you know as they're they're going to be in nashville for the next you know what uh, 48 hours or so until the draft wraps up maybe a little bit less than that mm-hmm. but maybe that's the next move that drops for the winnipeg jets in an effort to shore up their roster and improve their roster ahead of the 2024 season yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I think that that is an area that, I, first of all, you're right, Drew. I mean, when we heard the Sanheim news, you and I were communicating because I was like, does this really make a lot of sense to be acquiring a left side D when you're supposed to be finding room for your left side D that are coming up from you know the American Hockey League? Mm-hmm. So that would no longer be waiver exempt. And you could, you know, again, we'll have a Johnny Kovacevic where a guy will leave and for, for, that you spent all that time and, and effort to develop. So no, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I understand that Travis Sanheim's numbers last year were disappointing, but the three years prior to were, were very good. And he's obviously signed for, you know, the long term, So you have that certainty uh, right. around him. And of course he is from Manitoba. That's, that's uh, and it, you know, we always, we always we're pro Manitoba here in uh, here on illegalcurve.com and on illegal curve hockey show. There but um, no, I mean, it, it, I agree. I, and I've been saying it for a long time. It's like, if you notice whenever we have uh, a Jets guest on and the tendency of our show is to talk about, the the topics du jour although you can't really say the topic of the day because really it's every single day for weeks and months but but the fact of the matter is that we all my, my question tends to be about the defense and what exactly this Jets team is going to do with the defense and how are they going to bring someone in to really be a top pairing right side guy for to pair, play alongside Josh Morrissey and to take mm-hmm. that kind of weight off of Josh Morrissey and really allow Morrissey to do what he does well and then it's, it's, it's kind of like now this move that with Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? You've created depth in your forward group that you didn't have before. And right. your young group of forwards, and I'm not going to create a Manuk Moose Minute, no matter how many how much you guys want me to do a Manuk Moose Minute, I'm not going to do one right now. <laughs> I will I'm not do my one. Head. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, the Brad Lamberts, the the Chaz Luciuses, the Daniel Torgesons, the Henry Nickenins, those guys probably aren't ready to jump into your NHL lineup right now and be super effective. Now uh, guys can have a great summer. 
And you never say never. And we've seen it. Logan Stanley specifically had that really good summer where I, again, I watched him with the moose and I didn't, I, I don't think anybody did. And I talked to a lot of people that expected the jump he made. So guys can always make a jump. Uh, but you just, you have that organizational depth now that the jets were lacking. And that's what we're talking about, especially, you know, on the wing and that sort of thing, because how long were we talking about dropping Blake Wheeler down? And then Years. you'd be like, we'd be like, well, you'd need to drop Blake Wheeler down. And then I'm like, well, who are you replacing him with? Well, and so, the, well, so, so now, let's talk, I mean, let, you, you talk, let's talk about that. I mean, you look at the forward group for the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm using the daily face-off projections of a forward group for the sure. Jets for next season. And, you know, there's still a hole. There's still holes in the forward group up front, you know, that you know they still have Blake Wheeler on the roster because Blake Wheeler's still a member of the Winnipeg Jets, but you are going to need to replace Blake Wheeler one way or another. I mean, I do think, look, I I think Vlad Nemesnikov or a or a reasonable uh, you know uh, facsimile of Vlad Nemesnikov mm-hmm. would be important for this Winnipeg Jets team, you know, because right now Daily Faceoff has Gabe Vlardy up the middle. Sure, you know maybe he plays up the middle for the Jets. Cole Perfetti too. I mean, there's yeah, always Perfetti, a possibility. I mean, yeah, also a possibility, but both those guys, you know, have been wingers thus far at the NHL yep. level. So mm-hmm. I think it's probably safer to assume that they're likely to be wingers. So up the middle, you know, and assume Shifley comes back. Shifley, you know, Lowry and Gustafson is really all you have right now up the middle. I don't think I need to tell anybody that's not good enough. That's not sufficient. Adam Lowry is best suited as a third line center, probably a fourth line center on a really good hockey team. So, and you know, David Gustafson, you know, the Gus bus has not been able to get out of the, uh, get out of park, Uh, you know, you know, and it's been a combination of injuries and last year was definitely a disappointment for him and he's hoping to bounce back and, you know, he very well might be able to bounce back, but it's, you know, to assume that, you know, that he's going to be able to play that fourth line center role is a big assumption. And then, of course, you know, they, they don't account for Kevin Stenland uh, on this. Drew, your, your audio just went, your audio just went dead. You've never sorry. sounded better. Can you hear me now? I, unfortunately, now I can hear you. Okay, sorry. But <laughs> they don't account for Kevin Stenland and, and the possibility that he comes back and plays that fourth line center role. But there's still opportunity uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, and there's still a need for the Winnipeg Jets to continue to upgrade up front. Today's moves were a step in the right direction, but if mm-hmm. you're going to truly emulate that Seattle model, and the Seattle model, for anybody who's not aware, didn't watch a lot of the Kraken this year, is they basically were a team of second and third lines. They had four second and third lines. They were very effective in their role. Nobody on their team was a game breaker and the Jets, you know, if they do still have Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers have more game breakers or guys that I would declare as game breakers than the Kraken did. So maybe the Jets are looking for a Kraken plus model, but whatever it is, you the Jets don't look and can't be as top heavy as they have been in years past because the top of their lineup just isn't quite as good without Pierre-Luc Dubois. Gabe Velarde right. could step into that role, but you know, right now, if Gabe Velarde ends up stepping up and elevating, and the Jets are able to increase their depth and increase and increase the right. productivity from their third and fourth lines, well, then that would be a, a, a very good situation for the Winnipeg Jets. But they still need more this year. It, it, up front is is what I'm saying. No, and I again I agree with you, and and we'll see what they're able to do, and whether some of these young players are able to to make that jump and make that, take that next step in their development. And 
we'll see what happens there. I mean, of course, Brad Lambert is already planning on being back in uh, Manitoba. And, and yeah. you know, he was interviewed today on Jets at noon with our friends, Cam Poitras, and it was Kelly Moore. Jim Tilts was off till tomorrow. So uh, they've had some good ones. They had Rutger McGroarty, the other 2022 first rounder on yesterday. He had a great interview. He's excited to be uh, in Winnipeg. If you didn't hear that, it's on illegalcurve.com. Really good interview with him and talked about. And one thing that I can know, oh, just as a quick aside, Drew, sorry, uh, that brought a lot of uh, sigh of relief and, and some folks will pish posh on it. But he said, when I sign in Winnipeg, not, didn't, there was no, there was no, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uncertainty Hedging. there. He, yeah, he, he said, when I sign in Winnipeg, you know, and, and I, and I, I got a lot of comments cause I was of course referencing that in, the, in my tweets and he, people were like, well, that's at least he's, he's, he's positive and he's going to be here, but he's excited. He's coming to Winnipeg this weekend uh, for the development camp next week. Fans yeah. can go out to the hockey for all center, AKA the Iceplex. They want to go see the Jets development. I don't know what the schedule is because it's not yet out, but it starts on July 4th and runs until the 8th. And Brad Lambert also will be here. So he'll be, uh, you'll get a chance to see all the, uh, the Jets of tomorrow today or not today, but next week. And that'll be a good thing. And so Drew, I, again, depth is huge for this team. And, and again, Ehlers, Connor, I mean, you know, you're right. It, it's not exactly, it's not exactly a Seattle situation. Right. Because now you've got you you do have a lot of depth. You do have a lot more depth than this team's had in a long time, right? Like, I mean, and and the question of Blake Wheeler is is a big one because everybody's talking about his money, but right now the money again, I'd have to look. I haven't looked at cap friendly right this second, but I think his money still works even with depending on all the guys they're going to have to sign and that well, sort of thing. The, the so Jets have nine million dollars in cap space, so cap space isn't going to be the issue for the Winnipeg Jets, right? Um, so so. You know, so what I'm saying is that you look at that and you think, okay, and again, the issue with Blake Wheeler isn't his his on-ice performance, especially if you drop him down, which is what we've advocated, put him on a line with Adam Lowry and Morgan. I'm not, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm removing the, the other stuff, the right. leadership role and that stuff. I'm saying, if you're just looking at it from a hockey perspective, if you dropped him down and then you looked at the lineup with Ehlers and Connor and Baron and Niederreiter and Nemestikov, I actually think, you know, Velarde, I actually think the Jets, depth wise from a top nine perspective is actually pretty good is actually is, is is better than it was when you had Pierre-Luc Dubois. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that these guys are, I think the sum of the parts is better than, than the one. That's all I'm going to say. And I think from a Jets team that was lacking in, in, in depth, I think that's, that's a huge thing. It sounds, again, I don't watch the Kings, so I can't pretend other than when they play the Jets that I'm some sort of expert on what these guys are, but it just sounds like these are guys who, who, you're going to get a lot of effort, and that's obviously something that Jets fans have been looking for from a long for a long time. And so, ultimately, what you're doing, Drew, is you're saying, okay, so you're you're bringing in guys who are going to be better defensively. Maybe you're not yeah. going to get at quite as many goals. You're going to be a better team, a tighter team. Yeah. Again, Rick Bonus. What does Rick Bonus talk about? Better defensive hockey. Well, right? and that's. I mean, I don't think we can. You can overlook the impact that all three of the guys that Jets acquired today, Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari. I don't think you can overlook. That all three, when when people talk about them, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is defensive responsibility. Right. And the Jets have just been so weak, particularly up front, because you know, you know, particularly up front with with regards to their defensive responsibility. That by acquiring three guys who have a focus on that and who have a give a damn factor about that. How does that sort of, hopefully the Jets are obviously thinking that'll impact the rest of the players around them. Maybe they say, you know, Mark Shifley, we're going to keep him at least to start the year. 
and we're never going to turn him into a Selkie winner, but we can surround him with some guys who are more defensively responsible than, than you know what, what was here before. As we mentioned, Pierre-Luc Dubois had the reputation of yeah. defensively responsible, but the it didn't actually bear itself out when you look at the statistics with, with his defensive play. Well, and again, that's one of the funny things I listen to when I, when I'm listening to some of these podcasts that don't necessarily focus. And and again, I tend to say, I don't watch the rest of the league. I mean, other than if I'm watching a Jets game, but you know, I watch the Jets, I watch the Moose, I watch these teams when they're playing the Jets or the Moose, but I can't suggest that I'm an expert on every other team in the national hockey league. And I just find it funny when I hear guys describe or talk about situations. And, you know, our big joke, Drew, is always, you know, the Jets are, when, when especially with teams out east, and you'd hear media guys say, well, they're bigger, faster, strong. They're big, <laughs> For fast, and heavy. Big, big, fast, and heavy. And I was like, what Jets team are they talking about? And then I remember someone once said, well, they are technically bigger than they were last year. And I'm like, I don't care if they're physically taller. I'm talking about a heavy team, and the Jets are not a heavy team, and they're still described like the 2017-18 team. Well, you know, as my Baba used to say, that was what was was, and and that's what the Jets were. That's not what the Jets are. And so for now, you look at the Jets and you wonder what they are going to be and what kind of team they will be. And and again, like I said, so I listened to the reputation and, and guys were talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and I was like, do they watch the games? Like, it's easy to look at the stats and read them and say, this well, is what he-, he is. No, but I'm just saying, and then you, because you talk about defensive acumen. And again, I think it's, it's people think, especially... Folks out east who remember Pierre Luc Dubois from the Columbus series that's against what, the exactly Leafs, what I was going to say, that or against that, Tampa Bay. That's what he's. That's what he's been every game. Yeah, that's what I mean. And so it's funny because I'm sitting there going, I'm not. And again, I'm not saying he was terrible, but I'm just saying it's not as if this guy put the team on his back for 82 games and said, "Come with me, fellas. I, I've got this." Yeah, you're right. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see these three new players. Uh, you know interact and, and get used to the Winnipeg Jets room. And, and that's why I think it's important that the Blake Wheeler contract buyout happens. And at this point, I would be shocked if it doesn't happen. And then, you know, the Jets certainly would be sitting here probably waiting until uh, the last possible minute to do it because they don't need to do it any sooner than that in case they do end up getting a trade offer in case they end up do get it, uh, you know, getting some sort of inquiry uh, where they can maybe get some asset back for Blake Wheeler. But, you know, after everybody has said that he's no longer going to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets, I, I'm going to, you know, take their word for it because I don't see it being any different than that. And so Blake Wheeler subtracted from the yeah. team is going to make a a difference in that dressing room, and I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, place as the team sort of begins to get used to a Wheelerless room and how the tone in the room and how is going to change as a result and how the attitude in the room is going to change as a result. And I mean, obviously Mark Shifley, uh, you know, he plays a significant role in that, you know, is he still going to be here? Let's assume for argument's sake that yes, he will still be a member of the Winnipeg Jets at the start of next year. How does the absence of Wheeler impact Mark Shifley and his on ice performance? Because we've never seen Mark Shifley really without Blake Wheeler and the shadow of Wheeler lingering over everything. So it's just another you know, fascinating storyline for the Winnipeg Jets when training camp starts sometime in September and for the first number of weeks of the season, maybe months of the season, as the team gets used to its its new 
it, its new setup and its new roster and its and the the new players that are that are members of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, and and Drew, you know, our good friend uh, Joe and a lot of others have been saying now it's time for the Jets 3.0 era to begin. <laughs> And, and I'm, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with the idea of like, you know, you, you, like I said earlier, 17, 18 was a long time ago. It, it, it's time for a revitalization. You know, the, the hockey news was wrong. The Jets were not champions in, was it 2019, 20? Is that the year they were supposed to win? I think yeah, so. 2020, 2021, whatever it was. I, can't I thought remember. it was 1920. No, anyways. 18, 19. Was it 18, 19? Yeah, I think so. It doesn't matter. Go well, they, I mean, if it's any consolation of the hockey news, they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions in 1819. <laughs> so they seem to do that every single year, uh, eventually, or a team that makes it to the finals. But, you know, before I get going on with my, my thought, I, one of the things that I was thinking we could have the, the folks in the chat, because a lot of you, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Maybe throw up what you think would be good lines, and we'll throw them up here on, yeah, I said 2019. That's what I said. Yeah. So, um, well, Rob, we're not liars. That's plural. It's no, I think he's saying. I think he's saying hockey news. Oh, he's saying liar, the hockey news. Us. Well, you're also a liar, Drew. According to Rob and me. So, uh, if folks want to throw up who you would think is going to be a would be a good either line or the entire Jets, you know, four 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 depth of lines. Go ahead, let us know in the comments. We'll try and highlight some of those. But yeah, I mean, I do. I think it's time for a new era. I think it's time for new voices. And and again, I think that's going to be reflect i think fans are going to be excited for the idea of hard work you know guys who are going to bring an effort every single game and not you know once every three games and guys who are going to have that give a shit factor which you like to talk about drew so to me you know people talk about winnipeg being a blue collar lunch pail kind of town i think every we just respect hard work and i and i think a lot of cities do i don't think winnipeg is unique in that regard um we just we also preach people who can handle minus 20 degrees celsius but <laughs> But the fact of the matter is that you just want to see folks who are going to work their butts off and, uh, you know, really, again, you don't have to score. And I like the comment I, I highlighted from James Chapman earlier because it's true. I don't know if it's the James Chapman I grew up with because I grew up with the Jamie Chapman. He was one of my best friends growing up. But if it is, what's up, Is Jamie? that a different James Chapman than the goal? Than the, well, I was going to say, it could be as he's, I know as he, it's, well, no, that's a different uh, uh, James so, Chapman. Okay, we're talking about two as he's got so a, we, as he's got a James Chapman who's he's buddies with. Yeah, I also so grew up with, with James that Chapman. same James Chapman as well. Okay, so, okay. okay. Well, I don't know which Chapman's. I don't know which James is responsible for the comment, but the comment itself was that there. You know, I think they, he said something to the effect of, "Oh, there we go. Only two players in the NHL finals in the top fifty in points regular season. Depth wins in the playoffs. And again, one injury. I mean, no, no team." Maybe not no team, but again, since my blind my Jets blinders are on right now, you show me a team that loses Mark Shifley, whether it's due to injury or whether it's due to suspension, or you lose Josh Morrissey, or even you lose Dylan DeMello. Sometimes when you lose, I also like uh, Chapman's ice cream. It's very good. Um, but you lose players like that in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And and look at the impact it has on the Winnipeg Jets. And and the Jets aren't unique in that regard. But when you when you don't have that depth in the organization. Then, then that's the kind of holes you fall in. So if you have such a significant gap between your talent level, Drew, and now maybe the Jets are, are minimizing that to a not that significant degree because right now, like I said, I don't know enough about Gabe Velarde to give you some glowing report as to what he's capable of doing, 
Well, but everything I've I mean, seen, health, everything health, I've seen, health is a big issue for Gabe Velarde. We know that he's had. Well, he played. He played seventy-seven games last year, right? Which, which is very reassuring because before that, he had serious back issues. I mean, that was what sort of has ailed him uh, mm-hmm. for the vast majority of his career, and why he hasn't really been able to, uh, to you know, get up to being a a you know an eighty-two game player. You know, is that he's had back issues, and you know, you worry about a young player with back issues. You worry about an old player with back issues. Uh, so in this case, we hope that, or the Jets hope that, you know, the back issues for Gabe Velarde and Kevin Sheveldayoff mentioned them in his interview with my, our good friend Jamie Thomas, uh, which is available on the website on legalcurve.com if you want to check that out. That you know, Velarde is you know needs to has never played a full NHL season, 63 games this past year. You know, injuries have been an issue, so the Jets are obviously hoping that his injury issues are no longer that they are not a they're not a chronic thing that they were more of an aberration, more of a fluke and something that won't impact his career moving forward. But, you know, let me ask you about this, Dave, as we're over 52 minutes straight without a break and we're only going for about an hour tonight, folks. I know hour and a half. You... there's too many people in the chat. Drew. We're going at least an hour and a half. Come on. We'll we got see. no reason. We'll we got see. no reason to go. I got, I got lots of work to do still, but you know what the chat wants. Okay. Let's ask the chat. Does the chat want us to end at 10 o'clock? Like sleepy drew Lindell? <laughs> <laughs> or does the chat want us to keep on rolling till at least 10.30? I think we know what the answer from the chat is going to be. But nonetheless, uh, what I was going to ask you, Dave, yes. as we sit here, you know, Gabe Velarde, we mentioned RFA. Sorry, there's something in my eye. I'm trying to blink out as I'm, as I'm talking about this at the same time. RFA. Too Gabe much wind Velarde. in your basement, Drew. Yeah, apparently it's I got some dust in my eye here. Uh, you know, RFA, Gabe Velarde, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you know what has happened in recent history as it pertains to players and when they get close to UFA status. Would you want to do a bridge deal for Velarde? Or would you want to lock him up to a longer-term deal if that was something he'd be prepared to accept? It's definitely got a risk factor to it, given that mm-hmm. you've never seen him wear your jersey before. But, you know, maybe he coming off of uh, you know uh, some some injury troubles in his career maybe he's looking for an opportunity to sign uh you know a long-term deal with a team maybe he thinks that this might be an opportunity for him to get some guaranteed cash that changes his life moving forward if you're the Winnipeg Jets are you doing short-term bridge or are you trying to see if there's a longer term you know, four, five, six-year deal on the table and available for Gabe Velarde. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to do four because I believe you have four years of team control, right? So I think for Gabe Velarde, you're probably going to do it like either a short two-year bridge to kind of get to know each other, take him to a dance, see what it's like, see if you guys, you know, mesh well. And then if you're willing to, I mean, and and again, there's an inherent risk if he blows up and he becomes this this power player and you're gonna have to pay him a little bit more or you can end up with a mark shifley situation right where you got mark shifley for one of the most favorable contracts that you could have seen especially yeah. when you know like i said 42 goals at six million dollars uh that's 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 a significant number so yeah i mean both both i can't i can't give you an, an answer right now drew i'm sorry i'm not gonna i'm not trying to punt but i will say I that i think you're punting well, what do you want me to say? I mean, I don't even well, know the guy. Justin Medlock, I, Justin Medlock is getting inducted into the Bomber Hall of Fame uh, this season. Yeah. It looks like you're 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 trying to channel him and then you know and hoof the ball 40, 50 yards down the field there, my friend. <laughs> I'm not trying to, Drew. I'm not trying to. I'm uh, I certainly won't. But I mean, I, I just think that there's a there's a there's pros and cons for both 
for both arguments. I think from a Jets perspective, I think if you're going to be able to lock up a guy that you have confidence that he can stay healthy, that he can be what you need him to be for the next, I mean, he's 23 years old. You know, the likelihood is that he's going to, again, if you, if you have that confidence, if you watched him, I mean, this is really where to me, this is where you rely on your scouting and you see how good your scouting was, because if your scouts watched him enough and they felt that, Hey, this guy, you know, obviously had, you know, as, 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 uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff said uh, he had issues in his, um, you know, previously. But, I mean, look, he played, what, 64 games the year before. And, oh, I think I was wrong. I think 64 when you combine his time. When you combine AHL and NHL. Yeah, and I was wrong. I don't know why I said. Last year, 63. uh, Sorry, 64 two years ago. Yeah. Split between the AHL and the NHL. Right. And then 63 last year. So it was this breakout season. No question about that. The first time that at the NHL level, he's been able to get into the 20 goal mark and he's been able to get over 40 points. Right. Exactly. And so, like I said, 23 goals, 18 assists, 41 41 points total in yep. those 63 games. Yep. He's a kid from Kingston, Ontario. Won the uh, Memorial Cup with Logan Stanley on Windsor. Mm-hmm. So he's got some familiarity there. And we know Alex Iafallo has some uh, University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs roots with uh, Dominic Tonnado, Neil Pionk, Carson Kuhlman, and not with Dylan Sandberg because he was, uh, I think Dylan Sandberg was the year after he, right. he had finished school. But I mean, there, there's lots of connectivity, but I, look, I think if you're the Jets, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff off and you're, you're confident in what you're getting and you want to take a gamble, which is what it would be, then you would, yeah, of course, if you're a, look at every single Jets contract, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Josh mm-hmm. Morrissey. I mean, all those contracts are six plus years, yeah. you know, Mark Shifley, six years. So you, you got these guys and you took advantage of an opportunity to sign them to these deals that again are enviable. Right, Nikolai Ehlers' contract is an enviable contract. I mean, obviously, you want him to stay healthy, and that's going to be the biggest challenge. I mean, we're look, we're still talking about Nikolai Ehlers, who's you know was drafted in 2014 as a player who needs to, to stay healthy. But that, to me, is one of those. It's a risk reward. I mean, and and again, nobody's nobody's here with the the Nostradamus on, hat on, saying, "Oh, I'm going to tell you exactly how this is going to work out for you." But from a Jets perspective, with cap certainty. You have an opportunity to buy up maybe some of his UFA years. Sure. Take advantage of a guy. If you have the confidence that he can become what you need him to be, which is really your second line center or winger or whatever winger. But I'm just saying top six forward on your, like a bonafide top six forward stays healthy and contributes and, and is a, and is, is, is an asset to your team. Well, especially when you look at what the jets are going to look like for the next few years, right? You've got Cole Perfetti who in theory could be a, uh, winger or a center. You've got mm-hmm. Kyle Connor still for a number of years. You've got Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. So I'm saying you've got a lot of dynamic Brad Lambert. So you've got some, you know, Rutger McGordy. You've got a lot of dynamic players who are going to be coming up throughout the system and obviously some already. But yeah, like to me, if, if you think that this guy can be uh, an everyday NHLer and provide, you know, similar numbers to what Pierre Luc Dubois was able to provide your organization, then I think you take, I, from a Jets perspective, I mean, I tend to be a little risk averse, so I would I would probably go with signing him and 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 gambling. Yeah. Again, based on your scouts saying making this prediction, well, because I mean, that's scouts- what this ultimately is, right, Drew? This is just this is a prediction. It's a gamble that sure. you're trading Pierre Luc Dubois for essentially Gabe Velarde. Yeah. And Alex Ayafalo is essentially the depth piece, 
and Rasmus Kapari is, you know, somewhat of more of an unknown, but probably somewhere in that third line, which again, from a Jets perspective, from a depth perspective is important, but you need Velarde. And again, I'm looking at, you look at the, the numbers, his numbers, again, I, I, I can only go based on what other people are saying about him, but the projection for this kid, he's got an, a lights out electric shot. We've seen it. He, I think he scored a goal against the Jets last year, yeah. uh, which was actually funny because I don't know who played it, but someone had a video clip of Gabe Velarde highlights. And the yeah, first well, I, one I, they... ret- I retweeted that. Uh, I am trying to think. I don't remember who. I did not to give credit. Uh, oh, it was what's his name? It was um, uh, starts with a Dom D. Phil- Dom Filipovich. I yeah, think that it guy. Is who it is. And yeah, so, and but I'm just you, saying it was just yeah. it was just funny that the first first highlight pack that he showed was of course him scoring on Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. So if you want to see the, these highlights of Gabe Velarde from last year, you can check out my Twitter feed at I see Drew. Uh, and it was, you know, credit to Dom Filipovich for putting the package together. I just pressed the retweet button. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to pretend that uh, I don't want I don't want to take any big salad uh, credit here or anything along those lines. Fair enough. OK, it's 10 p.m. Fine. You people win. We'll go another 30 minutes. That is Let's what go. we're doing. 30 minutes till 11 till we'll go till 10 30 central time it is the illegal curve hockey show a special tr- P- pierre luke dubois gabe Velarde trade pop-up edition of the program reminder tomorrow 6 p.m round one coverage of the nhl draft dave will be here as he will be here god willing assuming assuming he's back and healthy from his bout with scurvy uh i likely won't be here uh, so you can enjoy uh, a night free of Drew, but we have special guests all throughout the show. Some of your favorite Winnipeg Jets writers will be popping in and out with us as we cover round one of the NHL draft leading up to pick number 18, of course, where we expect uh, the Winnipeg Jets to take somebody in that with that first round pick. And everybody talks about how deep this draft is going to be tomorrow. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see who the Jets acquire another player to add to their uh, stockpile of young talented players that people have been you know keeping a very close eye on Brooklyn McGrory, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius. I can keep going, but you know all the names. So that's tomorrow at six o'clock. Keep uh, your uh keep your uh keep tuned to the YouTube channel and set a reminder is what I was trying for there. Now what I was gonna say Drew though is yeah. as fo- you know because you were there on Saturday for folks who want to hear what Craig Button had to say not now of course but once this show ends you can go on our YouTube channel, which you're already on. So you could just go to the video section and listen to Craig. We I cut that so you can just listen to Craig set up and tee up, I should say, the uh, the draft for the from a Jets perspective. He talks about uh, who the Jets could draft in with the 18th spot. He talks about some defensemen. He talks about some forwards, and then he of course lay, lists some diamonds in the rough, including a Winnipegger. So uh, if you want to hear from Craig, uh, we always enjoy having him on. Uh, make sure that you uh, give that a listen. And and the other thing I would suggest is you listen to Mark Hillier, the Jets head of amateur scouting. He was interviewed today in Nashville. Uh, again, after our show ends, go on illegalcurve.com. You can listen to that whole interview. And it was interesting because I'll give Marat credit. He asked him a question. We talked through uh, on Saturday. I was talking about the need. People want more Western Canadians, Manitobans, guys mm-hmm. who play in the WHL. And he was asked about that. And he said, you know, if, if all things being equal... If it's a toss-up, sounds like that's where they would end up going. But his his point was, we're going with the best player available, which is and of course they should the, go for the, no, no, the best course, player available. Of course, but he just he just said if it was a toss-up, that's right. where he'd end up going. But if you want to hear more on the Jets' philosophies from Mark Hillier, and he talked about Dominic Divincentis, um, then you can hear from him uh, on on illegalcurve.com. 
There you go. See, that's, of course, coming up tomorrow, the NHL draft tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, live coverage back here on our YouTube channel. Tonight, we're all talking about the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. It's been the hot topic in and around the NHL for the last number of days. Other moves of interest today, of course, Tyler Toffoli goes from Calgary to the New Jersey Devils. We had heard earlier in the week, or really, you know, on, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday of last week, that the Flames were on the verge of some significant moves. Tyler Toffoli goes to New Jersey, a great acquisition for the Devils, given the price they paid, uh, not a significant one, a third-round pick and an RFA. Uh, the uh, I believe he's from Kazakhstan, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because that would do a disservice to both him and uh, to yours truly. But the Winnipeg Jets are, of course, the topic, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is now in Los Angeles. Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, and Rasmus Kupari, and that second-round pick are going 2024 second-round pick are going to be members of the Winnipeg Jets moving forward. So it's an exciting time. I can appreciate the excitement that the fan base is feeling tonight. And as we talked about in hour number one of this special broadcast, you know, the Jets did okay for themselves. Okay plus, I think would be my grade if I if we were giving grades out like that. It wasn't an A plus. I think that would be a little bit uh, excessive. It wasn't a failure. That would be a little bit harsh. I think that the Jets acquitted themselves fine with this trade. I don't know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to, you know, be an eight-plus million-dollar player for the next eight years. That's a big ticket. I don't know if he's got that next level to his game. Um, We've seen it in spurts. We've never seen it for a full 82-game season. Um, and I, for the record, folks, this isn't, you know, I would have said this, this isn't revisionist history or anything along those lines. Now that he's not a member of the Jets, I'm going to, I'm going to crap on him or anything. Uh, you know, I would have been hesitant if he was a member of the Winnipeg Jets to sign him to that contract because it's the consistency has been a factor, you know, for the, for Pierre-Luc Dubois throughout his career. I think I saw Murat tweeted that, you know, the first 40 games of last season, he was a force more than a point a game. Then he fell off. You know, I don't know if it was injury related. I don't know if it was a function of the team falling off. It coincided when he fell off. But, you know, he fell off in the latter half. He had a decent playoffs until that disaster of a game five uh, where, you know, the, the entire Winnipeg Jets had that disaster. So, you know, from the Jets perspective, you know, and from the Kings perspective, they think that he's going to be a fine replacement for Andre Kopitar. Kopitar under contract for one more year, and we know that he's getting long in the tooth. But I don't see the same drive and determination and dominance in Pierre-Luc Dubois that Andre Kopitar has been known for throughout his career. I believe it was just here in Winnipeg last season, Dave. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Kopitar, did he not have that four-goal game against the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, did Jets end up winning that game? I think they still no, ended up they, winning. Wasn't that the one they lost in overtime or no? I don't remember. Maybe they lost in an overtime. It was the game where the Jets had a lead multiple times and they just couldn't Wasn't it like a 7-6 game or something like seven, that? 7-6 or 6-5, something along those lines. Uh, I, Only I if there's something that would tell us what, you know, what, what was the actual result of that game. You know, exactly. Something like the 6-5 internet. win for the Kings. Okay, there you go. Uh, 6-5 win for the Kings. So I remember that. Kopitar was a beast. I don't know that that's Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think if LA fans are expecting that to be Pierre-Luc Dubois, they're probably going to see glimpses of it, but they've never seen it through a full 82-game schedule. Now the Jets, you know, you're, you're so both teams are acquiring sort of 
the main pieces are guys with questions about them. Can Pierre-Luc Dubois blossom into that top-line center? He's right. not a top-line center you know, right now. He's a very good second-line center. Does he have more to give to get up to that higher level? The Winnipeg Jets, Gabe Velarde, he's a talented player. He's, you know, finally was able to stay healthy, not completely healthy, but, you know, more healthy than not last year, and he put up some pretty good numbers. Does he have more from the Winnipeg Jets? Does he have another level to take his game? Can he get up to be a 60-point player, which he probably would have been had he stayed healthy? But you can't you can't forget about the health factor that he's had throughout his career. That's so there's questions from both guys. Yet the Jets then get a couple guys who there really aren't a ton of questions about. Mm-hmm. Alex Iafalo, you're pretty consistent. You know what you're getting from him. He's a third line player at the NHL level who's going to put up somewhere between 30 and 40 points and probably somewhere between you know 12 and 18 goals because that's really what he's done for the vast majority of his career. Since he's become a regular with the LA Kings back in 17-18, he's gone nine, he's had nine goals, 15 goals, 17 goals, 13 goals, 17 goals, and 14 goals this past year, albeit only in 59 games. He had a little bit of an injury trouble as well. So when he plays you know, in that 70 to 80 game mark, you're looking at a guy who's a double digit goal scorer. He's yep. not going to get you 25 to 30 goals. He probably tops out at 20. Maybe he's got an opportunity to get a couple more than 20, but hasn't happened in his career. But that's not to say it's that's a problem for the Jets. The Jets need more guys. Like, I was like, how many goals, Drew, Drew, how many guys scored in the double digits on the Jets' third line? Not, not, not enough. That's why we've been talking about for years that the yeah. Jets, the guys the Jets have been playing as third line players are really better suited for fourth line players. But if a third line for the Winnipeg Jets features Alex Iafalo, uh, you know, that's that's for argument's sake, sake uh, say uh, Morgan Barron. I mean, then you're beginning to maybe probably formulate something that the Winnipeg Jets can actually describe as a legitimate uh, third line. I mean, Mason Appleton in this example from my perspective, probably gets bumped down to the fourth line. And that's probably where he's better suited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, obviously you still probably need, and then Kupari, uh, you know, we talked about him. He's a fourth line player at this point in his career, but he's a fourth line player who's not, you know, really an AHL player masquerading as a fourth line player. Right. Like so many of the yeah. Jets have been over the years where they're just sort of trying to throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Like with, again, no disrespect, Saku Manalainen, and Axel Janssen, Fialbi, you know, guys who are, you know, who aren't truly fourth line, you know, aren't what I would describe as above average fourth line guys. Kupari might be that average to above average fourth line guy, but there's really no question in my perspective that he's an NHL player, you know, that he's a guy who belongs at the NHL level when for a long time, Dave, we weren't able to say the same about, uh, about some of the Jets fourth line players. No. And, and look, one of the ones, what, what is one of the things we've talked about for so many years is the Jets not having a fourth line with any identity. Yeah. And not with, with an inability to play more than a few minutes in a game. Now, sometimes that was a coach's choice and the coach made the wrong decision because he burnt his, you know, he, he, he it's kind of like in a horse race, right? Like you burn through, you burn through it to things quickly and then, then you've got nothing left. You don't have a distance racer. So yeah. I, I think that one of the things that, that 
we'll see. And what the Jets have to do is build a fourth line with some identity, build a, a third line. And I've been saying this for years as of you. It's not a new thing. It's not a new phenomenon. It's not something completely unique to some to as a unique thought on this show. But you need a third line that can score. The NHL has, you know, three lines that can score and a fourth line that chips in occasionally. Not two lines that score, a third line that doesn't, and a fourth line that doesn't. It just doesn't. You cannot have a successful NHL team with that sort of mantra. So you need, again, the depth is going to help because, I, you know, and again, I haven't even looked. That's why I was actually hoping people would do my homework for me. I haven't <laughs> even looked at how this would configure in terms of a lineup and I haven't really even had a chance to sit down and and, and think about, you know, configurations and, and other than, you know, our, our spitballing right now, Drew. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the things that you're going to see from this Jets team, you hope, is that idea, first of all, Guys know that they have to challenge, right? Like, and, and I saw one of the comments. It was probably, you know, one of the Manus, Manus. I just, did I just combine my name? Yeah, I'm, and not sure what word, I'm not sure Manus? what word you were going there with, but I'm not. I'm pretty. I'm fairly certain it wasn't Manus. Well, Manus. I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe I've combined it. But anyways, one of the folks who I, I'm going to guess maybe T Conapoli talking about getting Declan Chisholm into the lineup and. Look, Declan Chisholm will easily be probably one of the best skaters uh, on the Jets next year. And and we've talked to him. We had him at the end of season Manitoba Moose, um, you know, wrap up show that we did here on Illegal Curve, that special edition. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, he talked about was his commitment to. And, and that's one good thing about these guys. They're hungry. Billy Hainola, again, people have he's such a polarizing guy. I can't stand when people create these like, you know, this guy's this, this guy's this. And I'm thinking myself, how much do you actually watch the guy? Everybody tells me what this guy is. I'm like, really? Did you watch him? Because it's funny. Everybody loved Dylan Sandberg. Dylan Sandberg wasn't good two years ago in the AHL playoffs. And and he was probably one of the, him and Johnny Kovacevic, who had been probably the best defensive uh, duo, weren't that in the playoffs, right? And so guys, people create these narratives. And I'm like, do you watch these players? I mean, I do. I watch every one of their games, home and away. And I'm just seeing that, like, again, Billy Hainola, I'm not trying to, to go off on a tangent, but Again, regardless of your feelings towards him, if too small, too this, too this, too this, the fact of the matter is he's going to have a hell of a summer, is my guess, and he's going to try and make the Jets not force him back down to the AHL. Now, mm-hmm. of course, his his contract status is, is up against it in the sense that he's waiver-exempt, so he's an easy decision for the Jets organization in that regard, Drew, unlike Declan Chisholm. But the fact of the matter is you need to make room and you have to change the – configuration of your defensive group so well we'll, wonder, we'll see what the jets do you know i what you talk about players who are hungry you know i yeah. wonder you know you know at least coming into today a lot of people expected jansen harkins to be a part of this trade i wonder yeah. if that maybe his season with the moose which was tremendously successful more yeah, than a point 25 a goals player, 25 assists yeah. 44 games that you know maybe there's a maybe the jets sort of circle back to him as a potential prospect uh, you know, t- on the towards the bottom of the roster, you know, because we know that his, you know, his people and his, you know, uh, his agents and probably Jansen himself are maybe looking for a fresh start. But you wonder if the Jets maybe are are, are not quite willing to give up on the on Jansen Harkins just yet, uh, given you know the, his success. He's a, he's under contract for another year, so there's no reason why the Jets necessarily have to look to trade him if they think that there's still more that they can get. And maybe, you know, playing with better players or more, you know, more skilled fourth line players, mm-hmm. you know, would would do something for his career as opposed to playing with, 
you know, necessarily playing at the NHL level with guys who are better suited for the AHL. You know, you know, so Jansen Harkins is still a bit of a wild card uh, for this Jets team. I mean, I still don't necessarily see Logan Stanley or a role for Logan Stanley, especially as you mentioned, Dave, you know, that with, you know, Declan Chisholm and, and his status and he needs to be, you know, he needs to be up with the Winnipeg Jets next season. And Logan Stanley is, you know, is asked for a trade before and he's an RFA with arbitration rights. So, you know, maybe the Jets decide you, we know the Jets don't often give up on guys, you know, right. that they are, are more inclined to keep somebody, uh, you know, than, than necessarily get rid of them just for the sake of getting rid of them. But, yeah. you know, he's another guy that, you know, is certainly going to be talked about. Kyle Capobianco is under contract for next season. You know, you know, we, you know, another guy who, you know, very much played that seventh defenseman role for the vast majority of the year, really only got a cup of coffee here, there, and everywhere. And yeah. so, you know, what does that make Logan Stanley? You know, the your eighth defenseman, your ninth defenseman, depending on Declan Chisholm, uh, you know, do, do they try and put him through waivers? Probably wouldn't make it through waivers, given what we've heard that he wouldn't have made it out of the expansion draft to Seattle back in the day. And that's still with Jets needing to, in my estimation, upgrade particularly the right side of their defense. It's still not good enough, especially if you want to make, if you're bringing Connor Hellebuck back and you want to maybe make his life a little easier. And maybe if you make his life a little easier and you start to put some games together and you start to put some wins together, maybe Connor Hellebuck will not be signing his next contract with the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe that isn't written as much in stone as uh, you know, it was made out to be a couple weeks ago. It's amazing how, you know, if you go to market and you find out, oh, wait, maybe that $10 million contract isn't actually going to be there for me. Well, maybe mm-hmm. something, uh, you know, circling back, well, makes a lo- maybe that looks a little bit better than you thought. Look, it's, it's certainly not going to be there with most likely with the team that is competing for a Stanley Cup, which is what Connor Hellebuck is wanting to do. Yeah. And, and that's and that's the problem for Connor Hellebuck is right now it doesn't look like any teams. I mean, really, the team that everybody's talking about is the New Jersey Devils. Right. And and of course, the Jets fans are enjoying that because they've got some goaltending depth and they've got some depth in there from a prospect perspective. So so fans have already started to, you know, look over the I, I know the Ottawa Senators were another team that were mentioned as yeah. as wanting. a. You know, I understand. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just go- repeating what we've heard in terms of some of the teams that have been mentioned. Uh, who would be interested in the services, of course, his home state, Detroit Red Wings. I'm sure he'd love to be part of their uh, renaissance and and rebuild and, re, you know, now that they're not necessarily quite back. But, I mean, look, they had a pretty good end of the season. They were in it to the to the end. They obviously didn't make the playoffs, which I believe, is that seven straight years now that uh, the Wings, after going 25 straight, making the playoffs, and, of course, winning, you know, all those Stanley Cups to to now having, I think, seven straight years being out of it. But yeah. they're, they've got some really good young talent. So they're a team that's on the upswing and maybe, you know, Connor Hellebuck could, would look good in Detroit. And I'm sure Jets fans would be happy to uh, raid the uh, Red Wings prospect pool. But look, I think it, it, it could change the the calculus. And I, and I agree with you, Drew. I mean, look, Connor Hellebuck himself said, and I want to talk about Giants Harkins in a second, but quickly just on, on, on Connor Hellebuck, he said, look, I'm playing for the Winnipeg Jets next year. And if you didn't see it, I linked it this morning in the morning papers, uh, Luke Fox, the Sportsnet, talked to Connor Hellebuck yesterday, uh, yesterday, the day before, probably the day before, uh, in Nashville, because of course he was up for the Vesna, where he finished third, and he basically said, "Look, I, I, I'm, I'm a member of the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm going to play. 
my hardest for whichever team I'm, you know, whatever, whomever I'm playing for, that's who I'm going to play my, do my best for. And that's one thing with Connor Elba. You're never going to question his effort. You're never going to question his intensity. You're never going to question his desire to win. And, and again, I can't tell you what is going to happen with him, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe something happens in that regard, Drew, because again, from a few things, I mean, for, from a Jets perspective, and I said this to maybe Kelly Moore when we had him on Saturday, who is going to be your goaltending tandem? Is it going to be Connor Hellebuck and someone else? One of Arvid Holm, who's an RFA, or Oscar Salmonen, or is it going to be somebody else? I mean, I'm not certain mm-hmm. what is happening in terms of that from a from a depth perspective. Perspective again, Dominic DeVincentis aside, OHL goalie of the year. We know he's four or five years away from 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 anything, but. The fact is, so you've got Connor Hellebuck. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And and just quickly, circling back to Jansen Harkins, I know some people aren't big fans of Jansen Harkins. I mean, I think from a work ethic perspective, you're never going to get anybody who works harder than that kid. But look, I, I think that he's got a shot. I think he's put himself back into a conversation. And yeah, he has to have a good summer and he has to have a good training camp. And, and I think guys get opportunities based on work. I don't think that it's necessarily written in, to use your words, Drew, written in stone, that Jansen Harkins automatically, if he's still within the organizational framework of the Winnipeg Jets, is automatically going back to the Moose. I mean, I don't think he'd make it. I think a team would claim him. But I think that I think that there's a chance for the kid if you give him the right circumstance. And he look, he's got to play better. Sometimes you watch him in the defensive zone, and his defensive zone coverage is a little bit, you know, questionable. But I think from a, from an offensive perspective, he does have the tools to score at the NHL level. I just think again. You know, one of the things Rick Bonus really wants is a guy who's going to be defensively responsible, mm-hmm. and that's one thing Jansen's going to have to work on this summer. So, I, I think it really what I think what Jets fans have to look forward to from this trade to bring kind of wrap it all in together is I think what you're going to see now is you're going to see more challenging for spots and more, and that's what you want. You want mm-hmm. that that guys fighting for roles and guys challenging each other for roles. And not just saying, okay, well, you're penciling this guy here, this guy here, or penning in this guy here, this guy here, this guy here, this guy here. Instead, it's going to be, okay, you know Mark Shifley is going to be here. Again, presuming Mark Shifley is in the organization still. But you know Mark Shifley's your 1C. You know Adam Lowry is most likely your 3C. You know a couple of, you know, Ehlers and Connor, sure. But then after that, you start to kind of mix and match. And, you know, is Morgan Barron, is he an automatic? No, he's not an automatic. He's got to earn a spot. Same with some of a lot of these other guys. So I, I think that could only be a good thing for this Jets organization. But again, we don't know. I mean, Gabe Velarde may come in and be a 2C for this Winnipeg Jets club. And if it's the case, I mean, think about it. They've been trying to fill that role. <laughs> Obviously, they got it with Pierre-Luc Dubois. But I mean, the Brian Little, remember? And then Jack Roswick was supposed to be that. But then I'm saying from a homegrown perspective, even though Velarde isn't homegrown, yeah. but they may have an opportunity here to get a guy and, and have him be that 2C behind Mark Shifley and give them some depth from, from an organizational perspective, it's going to have some hiccups, it's going to have some growing pains, but maybe it's, or like I said, or Cole Perfetti, but there's going to be an opportunity for some guys. And that's the key word. And that's what fans I think are going to be looking forward to is that there's going to be opportunity for, for competing com- competition in training camp. And that's what you want to see. Yeah. I think I look, I, I, I think ultimately today for the Winnipeg jets, despite the fact that they traded a guy that they really probably, when they acquired him, they wanted to to sign him long term, but today for the Winnipeg Jets would probably be one of the team the better days that the team has had since the end of the season and the way that it ended. There is, you know, they obviously, you know, like I said, they they had they had their druthers. Had they been able to re-sign uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, 
to a long-term deal. Uh, there's no question in any of our minds that they would have done so. But Pierre-Luc Dubois made the decision that Pierre-Luc Dubois did. Now the Jets, you know... By the way, is it, is, it, is it, Drew, sorry, quick quick aside. Does it not make you sick to your stomach to think a guy's getting $9 million and he had 63 points? <laughs> like, like, and I, I understand there's other things that are factored in, but I, all I can think about is all those guys who used to score, you know, 100 points and they wouldn't even blink. Yeah. And now a guy doesn't even get a sniff of 100 and he's worth $9 million. It's insane. Well, it's because of his defensive prowess that they're paying him. Yes. Sorry, well, clearly. But uh, also the phrase fools and their money will soon uh, be parted also uh, come, comes to mind as well. But, you know, that's the standard going right now for really a second line center. You know, second line centers in this league. Oh, especially I understand. I'm just are, saying. Yeah, I know. Especially ones who are about to hit unrestricted free agency status are, are getting eight and a half million dollars per season. You know, you know, and without really there being much of a negotiation. Mm-hmm. So, but what I was, I was saying that today, you know, despite the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois, you obviously wanted him when you acquired him, you wanted him as a linchpin of your team moving forward. The writing has been on the wall for that to not be the case for a number of years. Now it's now it hasn't been weeks. It hasn't been months. It's been years that he's indicated he didn't want uh, didn't want to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Today, I think the team has been able to now wash their hands of that situation, and they've been able to move forward. And I would say that there would be what I would describe as cautious optimism, uh, you know, for, for the Winnipeg Jets for, as it pertains to next season. As we said at the outset of the show, almost ninety minutes ago, without a commercial break, I might add, uh, mm-hmm. what we said is that the team, this Winnipeg Jets team, is not a Stanley Cup contender. They're just not as currently constructed. But are they a bottom feeder? I don't know. No, I, I, Drew, I'm not, I'm not going to – again, are they the Las Vegas Golden Knights with that defense? Yeah. No, I'm not going to say that yet. But, I mean, again, like I said, I I don't like to make predictions until I see what this team is going to look like. So, right. again, I, I just – are they the top upper echelon team? They're not. Are they are, are they like any of these other teams that could that could fit in there and maybe make, do some damage? Again, I think the added depth from – I'm, I'm positive on this trade in the sense that I think that it, it it added organizational depth that this team didn't have. Because remember, from, from many years, it was like you had the forward depth and the yeah. D was too young. Right. And then the D caught up and then the forward just didn't have that opportunity. So I think what this is going to do, though, from an organizational perspective, and Kevin Shevelday off and his crew know, know the team better than anyone, but they knew that I think that they needed to insulate the guys on the moose that next round of guys mm-hmm. and the and the Lamberts and the Lucius's and the McGrorities yeah. and, 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 and so on and so forth. I think they know, knew they needed to insulate them to, from the pressure of needing to come up and be NHLers. Sure. So I think what this has done is it's created. I, so again, like I said, I'm, I think this move again, from a, from a perspective of you didn't really have much else choice. And remember, this is the Jets responsibility. I mean, Kevin, they probably knew last year that this was going to be the case. And they allowed it to go one more year. So the Jets made a conscious decision to put themselves into this position, hoping that they could change Pierre-Luc Dubois' mind. They obviously did not. And so I think Kevin Cheveldayoff did the best with what he was able to do. And I think from a from an organizational perspective, I think that this is going to be a much better Jets team because it's a deeper team now than they were yesterday. 
They certainly are a deeper team. I would I would say that is the best asset, the best aspect of this trade that they got is that they are a deeper organization and a deeper team up front uh, entering the 23-24 season. Still more, you know, things to come with regard to this trade. Of course, they need to sign Gabe Velarde to a contract extension. They need to decide what they want to do. They have to sign Rasmus Kapari to a contract extension. You know, are Hellebuck and Shifley still members of the Winnipeg Jets? Right now, I'm leaning towards probably yes. Blake Wheeler, when does that buyout officially take place? You know, the buyout window closes on June the 30th. That's Friday. You know, does it take place, you know, before Friday or does it take place, you know, or all of a sudden, is there another curveball still to come on that front? I'd expect that the buyout would still take place, but stranger things have happened, of course. Much more to come with regards to the Winnipeg Jets, much more to come with regards to the Winnipeg Jets off season. And we'll bring you all the latest here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, Saturday morning again on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, on the website, IllegalCurve.com, and of course, tomorrow night, 6 p.m., a special round one of the NHL Draft Show coming up tomorrow, 6 p.m. Read T-Will's comment. We still got four minutes. Don't try wrapping up early. <laughs> We're at one twenty-eight twelve, according to my uh, running clock. Yeah, that's, I'm not that's, to wrap that's up when we. That's all. the running clock, Drew. That's not the. That's not what the people see. Be a man <laughs> of the people, Drew. Fair enough. How about don't, I give don't a be bit don't of a be plug? so don't be so bourgeois. Like Sorry. be a man of the people. Come on. How about I give a little plug to our sponsors who make this show hey, any sort of you and Frosty. Show. The Saturday show, the website, the post game show, all those great things, a possibility. Our friends at the Rady JCC, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Chris Griffin is there all week, as Frosty has up on the screen there. Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway. They're the title sponsor of the post game show. Tough Duck, Boston Pizza. Speaking of Boston Pizza, the schedule came out today, which means I have to go sit down with my good buddy Andrew from Boston Pizza and circle the dates on the calendar where we're going to be live on location for the Illegal Curve post-game show. We're going to be hosting game nights throughout the course of the upcoming season at Boston Pizza. More information to come regarding that, but there you go. Stay tuned. We'll be live on location this year at Boston Pizza for the Illegal Curve post game show and hosting game nights there as well. Our friends at Seagram's are a big sponsor of the show. This show, Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, and the Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. If you haven't already done so, folks. You got to smash that like button. Otherwise, Dave's going to come to your house and he's going to smash you and hell hath no fury like a Manuk scorned. You trust me. I've seen it. It's ugly. You don't want to see it. Dave Manuk turns into the Incredible Hulk if he is angry. So make sure you smash that like button. And and to that end, Drew, to that end, I would ask because it's been a little while and it's almost 400 of you still still with us uh, throughout the court. Hey, I'd go another half an hour if Mendel's willing, but just... Just, Mendel's not just, willing. Just saying, just saying. What I was going to ask. I is love if all you, of you very much, but Mendel has to draw the line somewhere. Well, and and <laughs> that's that's a fair point. And we do have we do have four hours together tomorrow, everyone. So that'll be me and Ezzy. And hey, maybe we'll make it four and a half. Maybe we'll make it five hours. Whatever you guys want. I'm a man of the people. I'm willing to give the people what they want. What I was going to say, if you can give me what I want, is if you get a chance, go on the iTunes and yeah. leave a comment and uh, give us a rating. We appreciate that. That helps out as well. And leave comments on our YouTube channel. We also like that as well. And of course, subscribe 
And if you have a YouTube account, and if you don't, if you're just watching us, even if you don't want to make a comment, you don't have to make a comment. We don't insist on that. We love the chat. We love everybody uh, talking and, and interacting with everyone when we can. But even if you don't want to leave a comment, you can sign up an account and uh, subscribe to us at Illegal Curve. We would appreciate that. And speaking of Seinfeld references, because uh, I just saw that T11, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I did get a chance to make a <laughs> Kenny's water bottle. <laughs> Save for the people who are listening on podcast. For the people who are they listening don't... on the podcast, I said uh, that you know I have to draw the line somewhere. So Kenny is sort of taking my comment about Mendel has to draw the line somewhere and says that he believes that it was my hairline. Thank you, Ouch. Kenny. Ouch. I appreciate that. Right in you mean right a knife in my heart. Someone I call said with love, but who knows? Someone call nine one one. Drew has been roasted and needs to go to the hospital because Kenny just Kenny's water bottle just roasted you. Douse, you're yeah. gonna have to douse you in some Kenny right now. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I need some of Kenny's. I need some of Kenny to uh, douse because he's burned me so bad with that comment. Anyway, so uh, quickly, Drew, I was just yeah. gonna say that I, I get, did get a chance to use the old uh, Seinfeld, uh, George and Moira. Do you remember when he tried breaking up with her and he goes, um, Moira, I think we're done. And she goes, I don't think so, George. He goes, What do you mean? She goes, I don't think so. He's like, Okay. And I kind of was saying, I was saying it in reference because I was thinking about it and I'm not trying to segue to do another 10 minutes, but I did think it was fun. I no, 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 quickly. I did think it's funny though, that you sign a eight year deal with a team you don't have an intention of actually playing for, like just so you can get that extra year in. And I was saying that wouldn't it be ironic if the Jets after Pierre-Luc Dubois signed that eight-year contract, said, okay, we're not going to consummate the trade, but thanks for signing an eight-year deal. Somehow I don't think that would have worked, but I appreciate where your 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 demented mind sometimes goes to some dark, dark Goes places. to the dark. Goes to the dark, which is weird because the lights are on, but the it goes to on. the dark. The lights are on, but the lights are about to be shut off here on the Illegal Curve. Special edition Pierre-Luc Dubois trade pop-up show. Again, IllegalCurve.com has all your latest news, audio, everything under the sun. In case you missed any of this podcast, the Instagram. Oh, Roscoe just showed up, Drew. Oh, there you go, Roscoe. Yeah, we can't turn this off. Let's keep it rolling. I'm leaving. You can keep doing whatever the hell you want to do. All Uh, right, folks. Let's do the uh, Dave Manuk experience. Just kidding. Just kidding. The immediate replay is available on our YouTube channel. The podcast is available shortly thereafter we always appreciate your support thanks for joining us on this special wednesday no it's not even wednesday tuesday night edition of the illegal curve hockey show we'll be back tomorrow 6 p.m with live coverage of round one day one of the nhl draft smash the like button leave us some feedback thanks for this thanks for listening thanks for tuning in thanks for being here thanks for chatting this has been the illegal curve hockey show thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.